Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I want to continue uh, or wrap up a topic that I began last week in talking about the, the, the subject of intimacy. And it's funny because as we're going into this men's retreat on the weekend, intimacy is not usually a word you use on a men's retreat. In fact, it's probably a word that most men shy away from, they're afraid of, or just generally uncomfortable with. But we're not. We're not of that culture. Because the truth is that Jesus is inviting us, all of us here today, into a relationship of intimacy. It's a relationship of love. And it's the love that really knows no bounds. But there's an invitation that he is giving us into this relationship. I shared that verse after worship in James chapter 4. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. But I want you to hear there's an invitation into this relationship. And like any invitation, it can be accepted it can be rejected, or if it's like if you've ever invited me to an event on Facebook, it probably won't even get noticed. I apologize if I've done that. It's not intentional. I'm not ignoring you. I just don't know how to find my event invites in Facebook. But sometimes invitations are given, but you don't even know they're there. There's been moments when I've taken invitations and stuck them on my refrigerator, and they all require RSVPs, but Romy and I haven't figured out our own schedules together yet, so I don't dare RSVP with something without checking. Anybody ever done that, checking with schedules? Kids' birthday parties, weddings, bridal showers, baby showers. We need to categorize our invitations on the refrigerator to make sure we know what we're doing and where we're supposed to be. But Jesus is inviting us into this intimacy. And I think we all experience in our life varying levels of relationship. I'm going to share one that I experienced in my life a little bit. You know, we talked about last week how Jesus had levels of relationship with all kinds of people throughout his three years of ministry on the earth. There was moments when he fed 5,000 people. Now, that's a level of relationship. They showed up, were a part of the crowd, and they went home with full bellies, came with empty bellies, left with full bellies. That's a level of relationship. I listened to the teaching that Jesus gave me. I received something from him. But I don't know that we'd describe that relationship as intimate. Would you? Probably not. And then Jesus had his 12 disciples who spent three years with him, learning from him, growing with him, growing in relationship with him. That was probably another level of relationship that provided a little bit more intimacy but even within the 12 disciples, he had kind of his inner three, like his, his boys, Peter, James, and John. When Jesus went to pray, these are the three guys that went along with him. But even within the inner three, John describes himself as the one whom Jesus loves. Now, I don't know if that's John's way of kind of ribboning it to the others. Hey, you know, you're a part of the inner three too, but I'm the one that he loves. I don't think it was that so much. I think it was more just a description that John knew how much he was loved by Jesus. And there's a level of intimacy that gets developed. 
when we go from being someone in the crowd that saw the miracle, that heard the teachings, to someone who understands that they are loved by Jesus. But there is an invitation to all of us into the same type of loving relationship that John had with Jesus that he gives to us. In fact, this invitation goes a little bit deeper because the same love that the Father, the Father God, has for the Son, Jesus, is the same love that He loves us with. So the depth and the amount that the Father loves the Son is the same depth and amount of intimacy that the Father wants with us. Because we are adopted as sons and co-heirs with Christ of the promise of the kingdom. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That means the same amount of love that's poured out on the Son is available to us. I have a hard time getting that to sink in for me. That God the Father loves me the same way that He loves His own Son. That seems a little bit much. You know what I mean? But it's true. And He invites us into that same level of relationship. He's inviting us into intimacy. And I'm stuck on this word today because I think our world is craving this. They are starved for it. And they keep looking for it, but they're filling it with something less than what God has for us. It's a world of a thousand Facebook friends, but no intimacy. It's a world of varying levels of relationship where we engage and disengage, engage and disengage, and I'll be friends with you so long as you agree with me, but as soon as you vote for this person, I'm going to unfriend you. As soon as we have something in common, as soon as we dislike the same people, we're fine, but if you like somebody who doesn't like me, I'm going to disengage. But Jesus invites us into intimacy. And what intimacy is, is knowing and being known. It's a big difference between that and just picking and choosing your friends, isn't it? To have an intimate relationship with God means that we know Him and we are known by Him. There's nothing hidden. When we sing so close, no distance between us, it's not talking about geographical difference. It's not talking about physical distance. It's talking about a relational distance. It's a relational gap that gets created in our own hearts because of sin. But what God's heart cry for us is, is that you could have this intimate relationship with me that there's nothing standing in the way. There's nothing in between. It's knowing and being known. And there's no better example of this in the Bible than the example that Adam had in the Garden of Eden before the fall, before sin entered the world. Because when God created Adam, he put him in this perfect environment. It's called the Garden of Eden. Like he'd show up every day. It was the best landscaping you've ever seen by the hand of God himself. He didn't have to farm. He didn't have to pull weeds. There was no roundup. There was no massive class action lawsuits against Montesanto because Roundup creates cancer. There was none of that stuff. They would just show up and there was the best fruit, the best everything. He didn't have to work or toil for anything. He would just go pick what looked good and he would eat it. 
But more than anything, God created Adam, put perfect Adam in a perfect place, really for one reason, and so that Adam could be loved. That's God's intention for us, is that we would be loved. God created you to be loved. But the experience of that love in our own hearts requires an intimacy. It means that I am known and I know him. But when sin entered the world, it created a gap. And the first thing Adam did when sin entered the world is he hid. Because God would come down in the cool of the day and he would walk with Adam in the garden in this relationship of intimacy. Adam, there's nothing that I am that you don't have access to. And Adam's going, good, God, because there's nothing I am that you don't have access to. And there was a walk with intimacy. Every day in the cool of the day, he would walk with him in the garden. I can't imagine what that relationship must have been like, but I'm beginning to experiencing it now. But as soon as Adam sinned, as soon as Adam chose to disobey God, he runs and he hides. And that's what sin does. He gets a fig leaf and he covers himself because he realizes that he was naked. And he's hiding because now his view of God is very different than what it was. Because he's no longer viewing himself as an object of love. He's now seeing himself as an object of wrath. I know what I did. And I know this isn't going to go well. And his whole view of God and himself have now been transformed and changed into something God never intended for him. But even though sin entered the world, do you know what God does? This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You would think if you were God and Adam screws up, you know what? I'm going to start over again. I'm going to make a new Adam. But God comes down in the cool of the day again. He comes for his walk. And rather than just immediately punish Adam, he shows up and begins to walk in the garden like he did before. And he gives Adam an invitation. He says, Adam, where are you? Very interesting question for an omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God to ask. Do you know that sometimes God asks you questions that he already knows the answer to? Adam, where are you? And he's expressing the very heartbeat he has. That Adam, you've lost the intimacy with me that you once had. But here I am not to punish you. Here I am walking again, inviting you to come back into the intimate relationship that I've designed you for. It's probably the world's first altar call. The first sin led to the first altar call. Adam, where are you? And I hope that you hear the heart cry of a father whose son is in trouble. And what father, when their son is in trouble, just wants to come down and lay the smack down on their kid? The heartbeat of a father is, where are you? Come back. I created you for love. I created you for intimacy. I know you screwed it up but I'm inviting you back into this same relationship again. And I'm willing to pay the steepest price I could possibly pay for that. Because the price meant the sacrifice of his own son. And he paid that price willingly. Because he created us 
for love. I want to encourage you that when Jesus is inviting us into a relationship of intimacy, it's the same heartbeat the Father had when He's walking through the garden. He's inviting you into what Adam had before the fall. He's inviting you to walk with Him where you say, Jesus, there's nothing in me that you don't have access to. And Jesus says, good, because there's nothing in me that you don't have access to. I'm giving you all of me so you can give me all of you. And that's what intimacy looks like. But there's moments when we choose a level of relationship that's a little bit less than intimate. I remember, speaking of levels of relationships, I remember the day that I met Romy, my wife, in case you didn't know. I remember that I was uh, playing basketball in Australia, and one of, my, uh, one of the guys invited me to his church. And when I walked in the doors of the church, it was very similar to what church is like for us here today, even probably a similar size. And she was the one taking the clipboard around, getting all the names and phone numbers for the new people to follow up on, right? And uh, I was the new person. So because I'm telling the story today, Romy and I met because she asked me for my phone number, just so you know how this works. And uh, because I got it like that. So that's how it works, right? So she asked me for my phone number and then quickly went on to the next person. I'm like, uh, excuse me, Um, I need following up, but uh, that's how we first met. But one of my teammates, actually, I brought him to church and he gave his heart to Jesus too. He got saved, which was pretty cool. And then uh, Romy led a small group that was kind of helping to disciple new Christians, which is a good thing to do. And so we were coming out out of practice one day, went down to the beach and went for a quick swim. Coming up out of the water, here comes this girl running down a jogging track. And I'm like, that looks just like the girl from church. And she stops and she goes, oh, Brian, I heard you gave your life to Jesus. Would you come to my Bible study? And I'm like, hello. So, oh, oh hi, what was your name again? I was like, you know my name. You asked me for my phone number last week. She didn't know my name. And uh, I said, I'm Clayton. I said, I might like to come too, if that's okay. You know, just to check it out. I'm not sure about this church yet. I'm still new too, so I got to make sure, you know, it's legit. So I'm going to come along to the Bible study with Brian, my friend. I said, and here's the lesson, guys, okay? I said, I'll tell you what. Um, I know I gave you my number, but let me get your number just to make sure so I know what time to show up to Bible study and when we're supposed to be there. And so she gave me her phone number. And uh, I'm not going to say I was eager, but by the time she got home to her house, she had a message on her voicemail from me saying, hey, we want to come to Bible study. Let us know when it is. And so we came to Bible study and, and, and we became a part of her small group. And she was my small group leader. Now, when I first met her in church, I had an experience. I had met her. She got my number and just said hi. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then now I'm a part of the small group. How many of you know I've changed the level of relationship? I've gone from, hey, how you doing, to now I'm coming to your house every week. This is kind of cool. And he was in that house where she was, a, we called him Connect, I think we called him Connect Bible Studies. We had a Bible study back then, but there was worship at the beginning of it, and then we would go through the Bible. And this was, I'd preach a whole series on this Bible study because it was, it, was, it, was, it was strange. It was, we had some interesting people in this, in this Bible study. 
who were nothing alike. None, nobody in this group was alike at all, and none of them were like Romy. It was the most eclectic. That's the right word. It wasn't strange. It was eclectic. It was the most eclectic group I'd ever been a part of. And I just thought, this is, this is, this is cool. It's strange, but it's cool. But I watched this girl stand up in front of these people that she had nothing in common with naturally and would passionately worship. Like none of us could sing, but she was belting it out. And she was playing her guitar or, or playing the music on the whatever we had playing music. And I would watch her love these people. I mean, love them to a depth that I just went, I don't, I don't know that I've seen someone love people like this. And I found myself wanting to get to know her more. I liked what I saw. Not just physically, that was on the beach when she came running by in her little jogging outfit. But now I'm like, oh, there's more to this girl that I want to know. How many of you know I'm increasing in my level of relationship here? So then I thought I'd like to hang out with this girl outside of Bible study. So I said, hey, we actually got to be friends. I would come over her house every now and then with, for dinner with her roommates and everything and realized we liked the same music and she's like the funniest, coolest chick I've ever met. She's beautiful and all that, but she's just fun to hang out with. Like we would be best friends even if, you know, there wasn't an obvious attraction for me that she did not pick up on for the longest, <laughs> longest time. That's the second half of the story. But I found myself as we became friends that my heart was getting connected a little bit more beyond friendship. I thought, I really want to take this girl out on a date. Like, I really want to, I want to get to know her. So I said, hey, she likes rugby. I said, oh, do you want to go to the Steelers game? That was our local professional team. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. I was like, yes, I'm moving to level three. I've gone from the hi, how you doing, to the small group, to friends. Maybe this is level four now. I don't know, but I'm, I'm increasing in this intimacy. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And so I pick her up, and we walk down the street to the to the stadium, and then we find out where we're sitting, and she had invited the entire Bible study to come to this. And I was like, all right, this is cool, great. She really loves these people, really glad that she loves these people, and she invited them all on our date. So I was like, all right, that's cool, we'll have fun, and I get it, hang around friends, that's what you're supposed to do. And So the next time, I was like, oh, maybe, let me try dinner. Hey, do you want to, do you want, this place called Southern Crepes we used to go to. I said, do you want to Go to Southern Crepes with me. She's like, yeah, I'd love to go to Southern Crepes. So I show up to Southern Crepes, and there she is with two other girls at the table. And I was like, and one of the girls liked me. I didn't even know it. And I was like, oh, cool. So, all right, this is, this is she's not getting it. God, help me out here. Is there a miscommunication here? Is there something lost in translation? So finally I said, hey, would you like to go to dinner this week? She goes, yeah. I said, no, no, no. Would you want to go to dinner with me? alone, just the two of us with no one else. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And now the wheels are turning. Long pause. You talk about an awkward long pause. It might have been three seconds, felt like three weeks. And she goes, yes, I would like to do that. So we actually went out on our first date. And I'm like, wow, I'm increasing in this level of relationship. This is getting better. Then we began dating. We dated for 13 months, something like that. And we just kept getting to know each other more and more and more, where we were seeing each other pretty much every day. And then I realized, I want to spend the rest of my life with this girl. 
I don't know how this is going to work, but I can't imagine life without her. And so I asked her to marry me on the beach down by her parents' house. And I remember how exciting that was. Because now I had gone from the boyfriend to the fiancé. Sounds better when it's French. And I remember being on that beach, and it was just the two of us on the beach. She got to just the two of us by that point. So we were just on this beach, kind of secluded beach. And you just want to tell everybody. You're like, I just got engaged. And there's, so there's no one there. So I just yelled out, she said yes at the top of our lungs. And I was like, oh, now I look super weird. And she's like, no, it was kind of cool, you know. And uh, I just remember how great engagement was. And how great it was to know that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with someone and not be scared of it. Not have those moments of, yeah, but did I miss out on something else? And am I the person that God's created for her? Can I really be the husband that she needs? And all these questions, none of that matters anymore. I just know that I got to spend the rest of my life for her, with her. And there was nothing in me that she didn't have access to. And there's nothing in her that I didn't have access to. And I guess the greatest part about engagement is one when they're short. But the greatest part about engagement is the anticipation that there's more to come. There's more to come. And so I remember on January 2nd, 1999, in Wollongong, Australia, where we met, standing in a church very similar to this, except there was a side door over there where people came in, and I'm standing at the altar like this. And now's the moment. It was supposed to be 4 o'clock. It's now 4.07. She's still not here. I know girls do this at their wedding day, but dear Lord Jesus, please don't have her back out now. This would look really bad. And I remember looking out over this crowd. All my teammates are there, friends, family. Now you're trying to remember names. That's so-and-so. Oh, I can't remember their name. It's going to be embarrassing. And then you're looking out going, I wonder what they're thinking. Am I holding my hands right? Am I supposed to be standing like this? Where am I supposed to be? And oh, was I supposed to remember something? And did I, did I have the rings? And, and, and all these, a million things are going through your mind. And then the door opens up on the side and this vision in white comes through the door and walks to the back of the auditorium. And then comes around to here and here comes Romy with her dad walking down the aisle towards me. And I don't know that I've ever experienced tunnel vision like I did in that moment. But I didn't see anybody else in that room. All I saw was someone coming towards me who I was going to be linked to, heart linked to for the rest of my life. And we said our I do's and when I committed my life to hers and she committed hers to mine to have her to hold from this day forward. I realized that engagement's pretty good, but marriage is way better. And I was thinking about that. Friends is good. Dating's kind of cool. Engagement's fun, but marriage is way, way better. But a marriage is much more than just a wedding day. You see, if your goal in getting married is just to have a great wedding, you might miss the fact that you're supposed to be spending the rest of your lives together. That really, the relationship that we have, and we had a great wedding day, but the intimacy wasn't built January 2nd, 1999. And I think the level of intimacy that we have now began that day, 
But it's been a walk of intimacy for 20 years that haven't always been easy. But because of the commitment that we made, that there's nothing in me that you can't have and there's nothing in you that I can't have, that that walk of intimacy has grown deeper and more meaningful every day of our lives. You see, we're all invited into a relationship of intimacy with Jesus. I asked her to marry me. Nobody forced her to do it. Our parents didn't arrange it. I asked her. I invited her. Jesus does the same with us. He's inviting us into a relationship of intimacy and love. And we're meant to be the bride of Christ, not the girlfriend of Christ, not the friend of Christ. We can be called God's friend, but the level of intimacy he desires for us is much more than just a friend. And can I be honest with you? Praying a prayer of salvation and then walking out of this walk of intimacy with the Father is kind of the one-night stand of the kingdom. I prayed a prayer. I'm good. But I'm going to kind of choose to walk out the rest of my life on my own. God, if I need you, I'll give you a call. I got your number. And when it comes to that moment in time when I get in trouble or I need some help, I'll dial you up. But I'm going to choose the path of my own life. And I guess the sad part is that when we choose to do that, God lets us do it. But he's still the heart of a father that stands and says, hey, I want to walk with you like I did with Adam in the garden. And I'm inviting you to walk with me daily. This intimacy isn't built on events. It's not built on moments. It's the consistency of walking with him on a daily basis, inviting him into areas of your life that maybe you haven't wanted to invite him into. Because when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Jesus wants intimacy with us. I'm going to throw two quick verses up here, guys, if you got it. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. When Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, getting ready to be crucified for our sins, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Can you hear the heartbeat of God? I've longed to gather you. He wants this relationship with us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes I think if your yoke is feeling heavy, it's not his, it's yours or somebody else's. If you're feeling the heaviness, put his yoke on you. His is easy. His is light. He wants to give you rest, not work. When you walk in intimacy with Jesus, he's not giving you a checklist. He's not giving you a honeydew list of all the things that you need to do. He just wants intimacy with you. He wants you to experience his love for you in a way that you will never question whether you are loved again. He wants you to experience his love in a way where you won't be looking for other options. 
Because when you experience the love that God has for you, nothing else will do. The moment that I married her, I can promise you, I wasn't looking around in that church trying to figure out what other options I had. Oh, look at her. Huh. Maybe, maybe well, I haven't said I do yet. Maybe I could, what about that? What about her? Nope. It's the tunnel vision. And that's what he wants with us. He wants us to walk with him in a way that there's no other plan B's. Is that okay? Are you guys getting this? It's an invitation that awaits a response. It awaits a response. I told you about my fridge, and y'all are going to feel bad right now. I'm never going to invite him to anything again because he's got a fridge full of invites. It's not that bad. But there have been times when there's just all these invitations, and they're all awaiting a response. And have you ever made the mistake of not RSVPing, and then the event goes past? Anybody ever done that? Close your eyes. Raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. I've done that. And you feel like the worst human being ever. Because the RSVP has a date that you got to respond. The invitation that Jesus has for us has an expiration date. <laughs> it's your expiration date. You see, we need to respond while we have time on this earth. We need to make sure that we understand there is a clock that's ticking, but none of us know how much time is on that clock. The invitation that he wants with you has an expiration date, and it requires a response. But the intimacy is found in the walk with him. And as I mentioned before, when it comes to intimacy, that song's so close. It's not spatial. Do you understand that? Like, if I worship here, boy, I've got intimacy. But if I worship back in the pews... Man, I'm not experiencing it like the people that are up there. It's not spatial. It's relational. Intimacy is relational. It's not about where you stand or what you wear. It's about the condition of your heart. Proximity does not guarantee intimacy. Because I can tell you right now, the coldest place in the world is not the North Pole. It's the marriage bed when you've lost intimacy. Try to go to sleep next to your wife having not resolved an argument. That's cold. Walking into church but not experiencing the love of the Father can be the most desolate place in the world. You can walk into a culture of revival but not experience it for yourself. And you think, I'm missing out, but everybody else is headfirst in the river, covered in the blood, experiencing the love, and I'm hurting. And it can feel desolate and lonely. But here's what I want to encourage you with. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, it says, The Lord will guide you always. Listen to this. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You see, without intimacy, you can come into a culture of revival and feel dry and barren and desolate. But when you've walked with God, when you've committed your heart to Him, and you've committed to walk with Him daily, pursuing the intimacy, I pursued a relationship with this girl. I had some obstacles. But I got there because I continued the pursuit. When you pursue God and pursue this level of intimacy, 
You can be in the most dry, sun-scorched land possible, but you yourself are like a well-watered garden, a spring whose waters never fail. Your environment, your proximity does not determine the level of intimacy that you can have with the Father. All that it requires is a response in RSVP to the invitation that he's poured out to you. Will you give your heart to me? Because I've already given mine to you. You're not stepping out into an abyss. You're responding to an invitation. You're responding to an invitation. How do we do that? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding and in all our ways submit to Him, He will make our paths straight. How do we respond? We trust and we submit. Trust and submit. Or acknowledge is another word that it says. Trust. When you walk in intimacy, you trust that when I fall, he's there to catch me. That when I open up, I won't be rejected. And that's what he's inviting us into. I want to encourage you. Open your heart to him. Maybe it's going to require tonight you putting yourself in a position of receiving. Because you've kind of been in that position of thinking you're the one that's offering the invitation. Do you know what I mean? God, I need you to do this. God, I invite you here. But you haven't yet responded to his invitation. And his is simply inviting you to come walk with him. And all the answers that you think you're trying to figure out before you can do that, you're not going to figure it out. He just wants you to walk with him. To walk with him in the garden, in the cool of each day, exchanging loving glances. Lord, you took my breath away. That's the verse of that song. And he's inviting you into the same thing. All that it requires is there a surrender of your heart? Would you close your eyes with me tonight? We're just going to pray. That's all the reason I'm asking you to close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so deeply. And I thank you for the invitation that you've extended to us to walk with you. And if that's the desire of your heart tonight, to walk with Him, maybe it's your wedding day, the day you finally say, I do. Maybe you've been in a relationship with God for a while, but you're stuck in the friend zone. Maybe you've just been dating Jesus for a while. And it's time to step into a a level of intimacy that you know has been in front of you, but you just haven't quite put your foot on that path yet. 
with your eyes closed, the reason I want you to close your eyes is because I want you to picture this. And I want you to picture Jesus at a trailhead. You know where that is? Like the beginning of a trail or a path. And he's just inviting you to walk with him. And this is what I can see in the Spirit. I can see many people standing at this trailhead. And they're carrying this heavy, heavy backpack full of useless stuff. And he's just inviting you to put your pack down and just walk with him. Yeah, but Jesus, what if I run out of water? What if the path is too steep? What if, what if you find somebody else you want to walk with more than you want to walk with me? And he's just saying, but I want to walk with you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Would you come with me? Would you put your trust in me? Because those who hope in the Lord will not be put to shame. Trust him with your whole heart and he will make your path straight. All the questions you have, all the uncertainties of this life won't matter when you know who it is you're walking with. And just say this with me tonight. Say, Lord, I trust you. If this is the desire of your heart, I want to walk with you all the days of my life. I give you my sin. I give you my mistakes. I give you all the ways that I don't measure up. There's nothing in me that you don't have access to. And I receive your love and your forgiveness for me. Help me, God, to walk with you all the days of my life. And let me feel. It's okay to pray this. Let me feel your love for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can I encourage you? If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just, just tell somebody? Because this is a great day for you. You've begun this relationship with him. But he wants to walk this out with you every day of your life. And he will help you. He will guide you. And you know what he does? You ever have one of those spirits of confusion that comes on you? I don't know what's right, what's left, what's forward. It's like a, a spiritual and emotional vertigo. You just don't know where things go. He wants to fill you with his spirit that will guide you and direct you. I was telling somebody earlier, we want the 12-step plan for where we're supposed to go, and the Holy Spirit just gives you an arrow. Just go this way. But what's down there? Just go this way. And if you go the other way, the arrow just does that. He's going to give you his spirit that will guide you into all truth if you'll walk with him. Are you committed to the walk? I know I am. Well, God bless you guys. Um, we love you very much.
very, very much. And I pray this for each and every one of you because it makes all the difference in the world. Amen? You can develop a relationship of intimacy more than what it is right now. I don't care how good your walk is, you can have more intimacy with Him and He wants it for you. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.